0: Turn with me if you would to Gospel according to Matthew chapter three. Gospel according to St. Matthew Chapter three. Well, after that good song, I don't know what point it is in preaching, because they, they preached the whole series right there in that song. So uh tempted just to let you go home, but <laughs> It's a good thing, Brother Dean, that uh, that uh, that I don't have low self-esteem. You you just run me right to the ground. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> Gospel according to Saint Matthew, chapter three invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Those that were here last week know that we started a series, just a short mini-series, three, three, uh, three sermons, but we're going to endeavor to um, continue that. We, and uh, you also will know that we've go, we're going to go right through the chapter break, so hopefully that doesn't trip anyone up. Uh, Matthew chapter 3, we're going to begin reading in verse 16. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and lighting upon him And a voice from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. And he said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. series that we're trying to um, speak to is questioning of our identity. Questioning of our identity. Father, we ask that you would help us this morning as we endeavor to rightly divide the word of truth. We thank you, Lord, that you are the one who speaks to us and who we are and who we ought to be. And I thank you, Lord, that when you saw us, that in our sin and our misery, you didn't just see who we were, but you saw who you could make us into. And Father, we just ask that you just help us this morning to remember that you are leading us each step of the way. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus has been baptized. And as he comes out of the water, he sees the Holy Spirit descend upon him like a dove. And he has, hears the voice of the Father, says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. And from there, the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness in order to be tempted. It always strikes me that the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into this temptation. Jesus goes willingly where the Holy Spirit leads him, goes into that desert place, that place of, of wilderness and unknowing, Forty days and forty nights he fasts. And when Jesus is alone, he's weak, he's hungry, he pounces. And the question... Are we having trouble, Chase? Okay. Uh, the question that Satan is asking Jesus is, Who really are you? Who really are you? He begins the first temptation with this Little phrase, if thou be the Son of God. And do you notice that in this second temptation, Satan uses that same phrase, if thou be the Son of God. And it is the accuser's job to slander God to us and us to God. But what I also recognize this morning is that it's also Satan's job to slander us to ourselves, to slander us to ourselves. What, what great skill in lying when you can fool the very person that you're speaking to about themselves? And that a, I mean I, I say great is in That's amazing, but what a horrible thing to be able to do. But but be able to lie to someone to the point where they believe believe about themselves things that are not true. I wish I could say that that skill was limited to the enemy, but probably all of us are really good at doing that to ourselves. Some of us struggle with thinking too low of ourselves, and we see ourselves as worse than we are. And there's some others that see themselves way, way better than what they are. We've all been around a few of those. Satan has tempted Jesus with the first temptation to question his identity by giving him the lie: I am what I do. I am what I do. If you thou be the Son of God, you can turn these stones into bread. Jesus uses the word of God to stay true and stay right. And so Satan begins his second attack on who Jesus is and his identity by saying, if thou be the Son of God. We're here on this pinnacle of the temple. We're here in, in a public place. We're here at the most holy place on earth We are where where every good Jewish person, every Jewish man has to make at least one trip a year to this place. This is an important, important place. And if that would be the Son of God, why don't you just jump? And if you jump, you know that God's Word says that God will send His angels to catch you. I want you to notice that Jesus doesn't tell Satan that God wouldn't catch him. I think that there's a temptation to think that this is a suicide attempt. This is not really a suicide attempt. This is a a trick to get Jesus to believe, I am who other people say I am. The crowd is gathered. It's... I suppose that perhaps this is even the time of, of the sacrifice. Maybe the morning sacrifice or the evening sacrifice. The men especially have gathered, but the women as well. Maybe some children. There's a, there's a throng of people there to worship the Lord. And if Jesus jumps and the angels catch him. Wow, what a miracle. Wow. Everyone will believe that Jesus is the Messiah. What else could you believe? I mean, this is a public display of his might and power. He goes from an unknown to a celebrity like that. That's hard to do. It's getting easier now with YouTube and Instagram, and I didn't. I just realized in the last few years that there is a, a, a new job. I didn't this is a, a new thing called an influencer. Have you ever heard of that? Such a thing? You can be an influencer, and all you have to do is if you're an Instagram uh, influencer, all you got to do is take pictures and post them on Instagram, and you get a whole bunch of people to follow you. It's like, that's a job? And get this, you, if, you're really, if you're a really good influencer, these destination vacation places will let you go there for free if you're willing to take so many pictures of you at this destination resort, destination vacation, and you get to have a free vacation because you're an influencer. Just this week, There was a a fall by an actress, got caught up in the college scams, and her daughter, who is an influencer, I can't imagine this is a job, but people do it, they make a lot of money doing it, just boggles my mind. She is upset at her mom, she believes her mom's crimes are going to ruin her career, a career of having pictures taking of yourself and putting online. I just, I'm sorry, I'm getting old, I know it. (laughs) But she's upset at her mom because her career could be ruined. She's an influencer. Her job is predicated on what other people think she is. Wow. Wow. We can go from, with the, with the internet, you can go from a nobody, put a few songs on YouTube, and suddenly you're Justin Bieber. And whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing probably depends on your age. What a world we've lived in. The, the internet has changed the way everything is done. And now... And now we've gone to the place, it used to be that you had to have a certain credentials to, to have an opinion heard. There were only so many newspapers, there were only so many radio programs, and only the best of the best were allowed to give their opinions. Now we have 24-hour news cycles, and we have blogs and vlogs, and and I don't even know what all we have, and everyone has a right to express their opinion, and that's true, but the problem is, is everybody's consuming everybody's opinion and considering them all equal, and there's where this danger becomes. It's everyone's opinion is considered equal and we have no experts and we have no people that have risen to the top. It's everyone has an equal say. And here we have Jesus standing on the pinnacle of the temple and Satan says, if you be the son of God, that's great, but none of those people down there believe that. None of them believe that. No one down there knows who you are. They're gathered there, they're sacrificing. If you're the Son of God, they're sacrificing to you. and they don't know it. They're down there and they're singing worship uh, psalms that David wrote. They're, maybe they're singing the psalm about, about Christ and, and his sacrifice that he's going to make one of the, David's great messianic Psalms, it would just be like the enemy to do that. Coordinate the whole deal. And they're singing about their coming Messiah. And Satan says, they don't believe that you're him. They don't know you. All you have to do is jump. All you have to do is jump. And if you jump, you know that God will send his angels to catch you. You know he will. You're, the, you're his beloved son. You're, if you are really that, if, if the Father really spoke to you and you really are God's son, you will be okay. And a great miracle will take place and all the people's opinions will be changed like that. You'll be an instant celebrity. And the challenge for us today as this has become easier and easier is that we will trade our integrity for celebrity status. We'll trade our integrity for to be a celebrity. And how dangerous this is. How dangerous this is. It's dangerous first of all because often people are wrong. Have you ever noticed how wrong the majority is? I, I, listen, I appreciate our democracy. But I have come to realize, and, and, I, and I'm not that old yet, I haven't hit 40 yet. But I've come to realize that if the majority think something, there's a good chance it's not right. Did you know Goodyear was mocked for trying to vulcanize rubber? They said, oh, what a ridiculous thing. In fact, I read that everyone laughed at him except for his wife. It took him 11 years to accomplish it. And now every vehicle on the road runs on vulcanized rubber. They laughed and they mocked, but Goodyear stayed true to what he believed. They were wrong. Westinghouse, the same thing. They, they laughed at his idea. He believed he could stop a big, powerful train with wind. What? What a crazy idea. You can't, I mean, wind? But Westinghouse's air brakes are still used today. When Alexander Graham Bell unveiled his telephone. Everybody said, what a crazy invention. That'll never go. (laughs) Wow. If I asked for a show of phones, there'd be a lot of hands up, wouldn't there? You brought them with you. You're so attached to your phone. When I was a kid, they were attached to the wall. Now they're attached to us. They were wrong. The crowd was wrong. I found this amazing. In the 1800s, when the bathtub was invented, all the doctors decried it as a terrible thing and said that, that people would get, uh, uh, develop rheumatism and they'd have lung issues. And even the city of Philadelphia banned their use in the city because they were a public hazard. And I hope every one of you has a bathtub at your house. <laughs> and I hope you used it recently. They were wrong. You say all oh, that you're, most of those are from the 1800s, early 1900s, you're, you're, that, No, no, no. Well, did you know in the well, I think it was the 1950s? That the cigarette companies I believe it was Marlboro, that had a ran an ad that said that nine in 10 doctors prefer their brand of cigarettes. In fact, I know a lady who died of lung cancer. The doctor told her that she needed to stop smoking, but she saw that there was a pack of, of cigarettes in his white jacket. And she said, "Well, if he can smoke, I can too." Not great logic. Still killed her. Still killed her. The crowd was wrong. The crowd was wrong. And we have debates going on right now, and it's just some of the debates that we have are just plain silly. You know, uh, I read this week, and and I love this. There's a new study, has shown. That we can get people to believe anything if we start with the phrase, "A new study has shown." (laughs) Some of you got it. Some of you'll get it later. It's all right. Isn't that what they do? Listen to the news. New study has come out. It's shown. It's like, and then two weeks later, a new study has shown that study's wrong. Then, and we're right. And it's just backwards and forth. We don't even know what to believe anymore. That's true. And when we begin our identity from the ground, yes. chances are they're just as wrong about us. Mm-hmm. They're just as wrong about us. Yes. It's a dangerous thing to give our opinion about somebody especially to that person because we don't know we don't know i was reading a i can't remember it was one of one of our christian counselors a famous one i think it was gary smalley but i might be wrong about this i was reading one of his books and he was saying this he said that when he was growing up he and his brother were building blocks. And his grandmother said that his brother was an excellent builder and what a great builder he was and said about this this author, I hope he finds a job with his mind because he's certainly not going to be a builder. And his brother became a construction worker and he became a counselor working with his mind. Was grandma right or did she influence the direction that both of those boys would go in with a comment about who they were. And you know, we, we have this issue, we have this problem where there are people who come in for counseling and they come in and they will say to the counselor, this is what people say about me. And the counselor looks on and says, I don't see any of that true. I don't see any of that as true. How, why do they think that? And we've got to help them to find out who they really are because they've spent their whole life believing that they're something because that's what they were told they were. It's true, our children will either live up or live down to the expectations we have of them. And we better be careful with our opinions, especially when we voice them, where they can hear them. But we have a responsibility ourselves Not to just buy everything that we hear because the crowd is often wrong. Another reason it's dangerous is because it's a form of slavery. You become a slave to what other people think. And you don't get to live your life the way that that you want to or even as God intended. You're living your life in order to please what you think people want from you what a what a terrible way to live i i mean can you imagine uh, and and some of you live it and i and i and i i feel badly for you is, uh, you wake up and, and uh, the color of uh, clothes that you put on is is to please somebody else i think so and so you know the boss their favorite color is blue and if i wear blue maybe i can get a promotion <laughs> If I do this, if I, and, and constantly, you know, it, I love how young people say that they're all individuals, you know, got, they got, they got their, their fancy uh, hair colors and they got their, their holes in all sorts of places on their bodies that there weren't supposed to be holes there. And I mean, they got all, but they all look alike. You're an individual, right? You're, you're wearing a collar with spikes just like that person has a collar with spikes. You, what are you talking about? You're an individual. Well, I want to be liked by that person. It's form slavery. And what's terrible about this is that oftentimes people don't think about us as much as we think they think about us. You know, I'll be honest, I have, I, I have opinions, but most of the time, I don't think about them. I mean, if you ask me, what do you think about such and such, and I, oh, if I think about that, yeah, I, I have an but most of the time, I just, I don't re- really care what you pick. I mean, if there's a moral situation, if there's a spiritual uh, uh, component, then then perhaps I, I I would care. But but for the most part, why would you live to please me? Why would you live to please somebody else? And you know, I, one of the things that I, I believe has happened in, in causing the increase in the divorce rate is because people are not ever been true to themselves as young people they're always trying to please other people and they get married and they've always pretended to be somebody they're not and they wake up one day and they realize this is really really dumb i'm not who i am who i want to be i'm not who i i'm not behaving the way that i who i should be and then they question their marriage and did i and and all of a sudden they they throw away their whole life because they've lived so long being somebody that they're not. It's a terrible way to live. Do you know what would have happened if Jesus would have jumped? They would have demanded that he free them from the Romans. They would have said, this is what you need to do. You're the Messiah. This is what was predicted. You have, to do, you have got to set us free from the Romans. How do you know that? Well, it's easy because when he raised Lazarus from the dead and it became popular and Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, they all began to shout, Hosanna. Lord, save us. Lord, save us. Set us free from the Romans. It's all that matters is that, that we be free from the Romans. That's the only thing that matters. And I mean, we found our Messiah because He can go along the battle lines. After the battle, He can go and He can raise our our men from the dead and they can go back and fight. The Romans don't stand a chance if we've got an unlimited number of men. We finally found. You don't even have to go that far. You can go back earlier into Jesus' ministry after the feeding of the 5,000. What happens? People start following Him around for handouts, for free food. And Jesus turns around and says, there's not going to be any more free lunches. And they said, then we're going home. Jesus refused to be a slave to the opinions of other people. And he taught us a valuable lesson when he said to Satan, I'm not jumping. It is written not to test the Lord your God. I'm not putting God to the test. I'm not going to see whether he jumps or whether he's going to send his angels to catch me or not. I'm not going to put him to the test because this isn't what God wants me to do. And you know, we're in real danger in our current culture with celebrity pastors. And how many do, if we've watched, ever since, especially the televangelism movement started, how many celebrity pastors have fallen in publicly and shamefully? What happens is you raise in opinion as you get higher and higher. Something happens. It's awful lonely on top of pedestals. You become isolated. And you're having troubles. You're having temptations. And you're facing battles. Who do you open up to and who do you talk to when you're up on a pedestal? And there's no one else up there with you. And all the people are down below. You don't have you don't have anyone to confess out faults and failures. You don't have anyone to talk to about what to do in these uh, when you're uh, when you're facing temptations and and maybe maybe some have even stumbled in in, in, in small ways in ways that they could have uh, just picked up the pieces really quickly and easily. But they had to instead of dealing with it, they had to cover it up in order to keep the brand the brand going. Demands to write more books and demands to preach better sermons. And and so all of a sudden, intimacy with God is traded for their talents. I'm not preaching against tonight. Don't, Don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that we can't have people that we look up to. I'm not saying that, we, that, that it's wrong to, to have a, a platform for preaching. All I'm trying to help us understand is, is that when we trade our integrity for celebrity, we become vulnerable to spiritual attack because it's awful lonely at the top. Here Jesus says, if he jumps and he's, the angels catch him and he's suddenly the hero and he's the Messiah and the temptations come, give us freedom from Rome. That's the most important thing. And, you know, I have to believe that Jesus really felt badly for the occupation of Rome for, over his people. I think it hurt him. I think he hated it. I think when he saw the abuses by Roman soldiers, I think it caused him to weep. I believe that if Jesus uh, could have, he, he would have overthrown the Romans because he hated what they were doing to his people. He would prophesy over Jerusalem that they would be destroyed by the Romans on the day of his triumphal entry. He'd tell... He'd warn them and say that there would not be one stone upon another as he was there at the temple. He saw it coming. He could see the bloodshed. He knew as those children that he was holding and blessing. He knew that some of them would die in the war. He knew some of them would starve to death as as grown-ups. He's blessing these children. He knows that they're going to be scattered around uh, the known world. As adults, it was only going to be about 40 years later. He knew it. He saw it coming. He prophesied it more than once. And what a temptation to avoid all that. We don't like to see people hurt. We were hearing the news of tsunamis and Earthquakes and, you know, they bother us, don't they? But it's a bigger deal when it happens on American soil. I'm just being honest with you. It hurts us more when it's Americans that are suffering than when it's someone from Africa or someone from from Asia or some other. And it's not that those people's lives are mean less. It's There's something about home. I believe Jesus really hurt over it. In fact, enough to cry over it, weep over it. But he couldn't let public opinion change the calling that the Father had put on his life. His identity as the Son of God meant that he couldn't give in to the crowd's demands. He had to give in himself over to his mission. What was his mission? To seek and to save that which was lost. And as we stand as sons and daughters of the king, there's a lot of pressure on us to give in to the demands of a culture that demands tolerance. And in the name of love, we give in to, we're called to give in to the demands of a, a sinful world because that's what a loving God would do. No, it isn't. Jesus didn't give in to the demands to throw off the Romans. That would have been a loving thing to do, wouldn't it? No, it wouldn't have. Jesus had to choose between either saving a few people in a little country or saving the world. The Roman roads, the Roman uh, transportation, the Roman uh, set of one language caused the gospel to be able to spread quicker than can ever be imagined. It's just a marvelous thing to think about how quickly Christianity spread all around the world. All because of the Romans. If Jesus had given in, if He'd done what was the loving thing to do, it would have proven to be the most unloving thing He could do. You and I wouldn't be included in the redemption plan It'd only be those that were in Israel that would have his favor. The world's demanding that the church change its identity. It's demanding that you and I change our identity. And what's sad is the church is giving in to that pressure. They're redefining, they're redefining who God is. So that we can give in. So that we can give in. You know, using nice scriptural language. Just this week, I was listening to a noted scholar, biblical scholar, doctor in front of his name, smart man. Very smart. I could tell by listening to him, he was smart. But he said these words. He says that that we believe a lie when we say that God is love and just. Because only in Scripture, Scripture only says that God is love, never says God is just. It's like, really? And I read, uh, so I went to the Scripture, I I I was surprised by this, and I found lots of places where it says that God was the God of justice. But it didn't say God is just. I was like, hmm. And then I found over in Zephaniah, prophecy concerning Christ, I said that he is just. I said that smart man is selling a lie to get us to believe something about God that isn't true. In fact, his words were, when we say that God is love and he is just, he says that we are diminishing God. No, we're not diminishing God. He was diminishing God by taking away from God who he claimed to be. Folks, we have, have, if ever, we're going to be, uh, folks, we're going to have to be vigilant against the public opinion because public opinion polls would have cost us vulcanized rubber and phones and it would cost us air brakes and vaccinations And it might have cost us salvation. And if we give in, it might cost us our children and our children's children their salvation as the church gives in to a culture's demands. We aren't who other people say we are. The world can call us intolerant. They can call us hateful. They can call us whatever they want to call us. We are who God says we are. Jesus coming up out of the water saw the Holy Spirit descending as a dove and the voice of the Heavenly Father saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Folks, it doesn't matter what the world says about us. What matters is what God says about us. That isn't permission to be jerks in the name of Christianity, that's not permission to be unkind. It's not permission to, to, to verbally assault people. It's, it's not permission to hold placards up that says God hates gays, which is a lie, by the way. And protest funerals. And some of that other stuff that's been done in the name of God that it has nothing to do with who God is and what God's people are about. It's not permission to be jerks. It's just a reminder that it's important to stay on point, on focus of what God says we are, to find His will and to do it. And to do it. Invite us to stand together. Lord, the enemy is subtle and he's tricky. And he would get us to believe we are what we do, get us so busy and caught up in, in doing and doing that we forget who we are. And he would cause us to be caught up in the opinions of others and try to, try to get everyone to like us, except for the opinion that matters most, yours. One day we'll stand before you, and the only opinion that's going to matter is what the judge of all the earth says. Lord, help us to live every day with your opinion, the one that counts the most. Be with us as we go our separate ways. Be glorified in our lives and in our walk. Be glorified in who we are because you've made us your children. We ask these things in your name. Amen. You're dismissed.